And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning. Are we on? Are we on? Is this thing on? Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP. I'm Danny. Danny, I'm stuck in the... It's dark in here. I'm stuck. I think this is Biden's garage and it's locked. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Man. I am in Give real form today. I'm going to tell you all that. But we welcome you to our show this morning. And a uh, big day for bank earnings, Danny. J.P. Morgan just reported revenues of $34.5 billion, beats by $270 million. Wall's, uh, Bank of America reported this morning. Actually, uh, they reported fairly well, but uh, some of the stocks are down in the pre-market. So, but it's a big day for bank earnings today. Well, listen, when, you, when you're getting so much yield, you're not paying it out to anybody. I mean, I think <laughs> that you're... You're going to start looking a lot better. Your margins improve significantly. I mean, look at all these firms that are still paying almost zero on interest rates. Absolutely. And we know what they're getting. And there's are a few that are actually paying out to their, their customers. I think that in the long run, they're going to benefit from it because people will remember this. At least you hope. I don't know. I don't understand the status quo of why people are keeping their cash in these brick-and-mortar banks that pay 0.4%. When I have all these options, if I'm a saver, I'm a kid in a candy store right now, right? And I have all these options to save. I have online banks, I think, like Synchrony and Marcus paying over three, three and a half, close to three. Some are in four, right? Yeah, some are in four, right? I uh, talked to a client yesterday who uh, has an account with an online bank paying four. So, and obviously I can get uh, three to six month treasuries in excess of four and a half percent. So, you know, it's status quo, Danny. People don't move, even if it's in their own best interest. They don't want to make a change. Isn't that the same with money? Like if I'm doing the same things over and over again, and we're going to talk a little bit about a SoFi survey that investors share their biggest 2020 regrets and 2023 goals. But I just noticed there's so much inertia when it comes to financial matters. And we're going to talk a little bit about the estate planning side. And yesterday, we had such a great lunch and learn with Chris Masters over at Doreen Mayu, one of the best CPA firms out there. And we talked about family limited partnerships, but we talked about estate plans in general, didn't we? We did. And I think that this is any of these types of, when you get into a discussion about family limited partnerships, any type of documentation that's going to document your mortality it's difficult. Nobody wants to typically discuss these types mm -hmm. of uh, arrangements. But how important is it? And, and we talked about how often many people just, they forego it because they don't want to spend the money. They don't want to talk about their the end of life. But yet, here we are, and, and you and I deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis on how important it is to, to protect and grow, but yet we fail so many times to protect it at the end of life. And not only is it just a monetary issue, but... I mean, think about the strains that it puts on families. It does. And I brought up one comment yesterday, which I absolutely believe in. <clears throat> I actually feel comforted putting together or knowing an estate plan because in a way that makes you immortal. 
it, it passes on these good decisions to your children and your family. I had a, a dear client. He was, a, um, he was on the news here for generations. <clears throat> he taught um, reporters how to do their job. And before he retired, he put together his entire estate plan from where he was going to be buried to his eulogy and all that. And then ironically, we pre- prepared for his retirement. What such a wonderful guy. And the next day, after we did his financial plan, Danny, we said, you're, you're good to go. He buys this motorcycle, right? He, he gets it transported across country. He was free. He was free, right? He's going to do all these things. He finds out he's got pancreatic cancer and doesn't have long to live. <clears throat> so he never really enjoyed his retirement. But what he did do before that was he put together his wonderful estate plan for his nephew, who is with well, our, one of our clients today, Danny. Um, and his nephew's children, and to this day when I talk to his nephew, wonderful, wonderful guy, and uh, we talk about his uncle a lot, <clears throat> and he says, you know, what my uncle did was indispensable. And in other words, he still lives. He's still alive in these memories. He would have been alive in the memories too if he didn't have a good estate plan, but because that he did, there's such warm words. And listen, at the end, all we are are stories. That's it. You can choose your story with an estate plan, but you choose it. And you don't let the legal documents choose for you, right? If I want to give my G.I. Joe collection to Danny and Brent wants it, I should have a conversation with them now while I'm here and not let my estate planning documentation do that. I have still work with families. Their sisters and brothers are not talking to each other because of things that you would think sound really minute because it's, it has to do with stuff. And what good is stuff? But these stuff, this stuff has memories, right? So someone gets the china and someone else doesn't. Someone gets a light fixture and someone else doesn't. <clears throat> these things create crazy rifts in families, Danny, for, for long term. So often, I mean, we talk about not just uh, you know, while you're going through it, but I know many people that they don't talk to their siblings any longer. They don't talk to other family members because of the strain that it puts on these relationships. And so if you can go ahead and get ahead of this and start, you know, making sure, you know, we talk about how important money is, right? All these people talk, and this is, and we talked about this the other day, is that money, especially for me and for, for a lot of people, it is essentially, it's a, it's a means to do the things that are important. Absolutely. So either to, to help people, to, for security, for you know, whatever it is that may be, but it, it should you know, be more on that qualitative side and not just the quantitative. And so we talk about this frequently here at RIA, and that's why we believe it's so important to get these things done because, man, the risks that this causes by not having these things done and accomplished is astronomical. And even people who have accomplished doing a simple will, doing some of the things that uh, you know, we believe are so necessary, but man, what if you haven't done it in 20 years? And yeah. what if laws have changed or people have passed or your feelings towards certain things have changed? Or what if, you know, your 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 niece or nephew or your child who was once you thought was going to be a sound mind isn't any longer and now they're they have a windfall. I mean, there's just so many small things to that you need to think about and, and keep in mind when we're talking about you know executing documents. But it takes a lot of hard work up mm-hmm. front. Once you get it done, though, I think, like you mentioned, it's a sigh of relief. 
It is. I think the documentation is actually easier than the conversations that you need to have while you're alive, while you're viable, while you have the mental faculties to do so. Um, Having these conversations as far as you have, you know, you have siblings and one's uh, or you have children and one's really good with money and one isn't. And you have to help that child. Listen, I love you, but you're not going to get an inheritance in the same way as your brother or your sister. It's going to be doled out to you over time because you suck with money. Okay, you're going to have to help your kids understand. Okay. Or you want to create that true legacy and make sure that right. it goes on for generations. Absolutely. Or- Absolutely. And that's where you there is an immortality and positive words around a good estate plan. We're going to continue this conversation when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Housekeeping. Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next candid coffee will get you ready for the physical roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The financial housekeeping candid coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I'm going to come back as a yoke stealer. I'm going to be a yolk stealer. Not bad yolks, but good yolks. Egg yolks. Eggs are up 60% in price over last year. I'm going, to, I'm going to start selling yolks on the black market. You, I'll do the yolks. Brent, you do the whites. Okay. And we'll give Danny the shells. I don't know what he's going to do with those. Well, we'll make fertilizer out of them. Ah. Yeah. Compost. Composts, yes. <laughs> I know inflation is six and a half percent. That's the laughable, uh, the LPI, the laughable uh, price index. <laughs> because when you go to the <laughs> uh, today's you, theme is trademark that you know watch the what's the what's today's financial garage? What are we talking about? Uh, finan- oh, what's, what's documents in, in the financial garage. Financial yeah. garage. Yeah. Yes. you know because we're finding that we're also keeping client records. In, our, in my garage next to my Pinto, but it's locked. <laughs> no, actually, they're in Danny's garage next to the Mustang, and they're locked. No, we don't keep any client records in garages. Sorry, we don't do that. Uh, but it does show you, though, that uh, documents get unwieldy for everybody. And uh, we're going to be doing a financial housekeeping candid coffee on Saturday, January 28th at 8 a.m. So we want to give you some really practical tips to get your financial house in order. We also want to know your tips. We want to know what do you do? How do you organize things financially? Whether it's your estate plan, whether it's your emergency contact, your account numbers. Obviously, we have all these um, passwords, right? And we have Apple Music and Amazon and 
you know, there's a digital footprint that you leave behind. Are you doing anything about that? So interesting, we want to hear from you as well um, about what you do every year for financial housekeeping. But the most important financial housekeeping you're going to do is your estate plan. So I, first of all, I was really devastated about Jeff Beck dying. But I sort of expected it, him being close to 80. But then Lisa Marie Presley dies. And I don't know. Uh, we're not far, in, far apart in age, and I sort of felt that. Um, I just remember as I was growing up, she was growing up, and I don't know. And I've always been a big Elvis fan, and that sort of hit me. And I just wondered, you know, because we talked about on this conference call about Aretha Franklin's horrendous estate plan. I just wonder if she has an estate plan. You hope so. You think that, you know, especially people with access to so many different resources. Yeah. You would hope that somebody would guide them along the way. But unfortunately, I think that they probably had so much guidance and bad guidance sometimes that people like this are maybe even more prone to not do something because they've been burned. Could be. I, I, you know, yeah. In my gut, I, I don't know why. We're going to find out because as advisors, we're like, we're like vultures. We're morbid. We always want to know. Like, I'll give you an idea. Like, Aretha Franklin, we talked about this with Chris Mayhew yesterday. She had... Um, but Doran Mayhew, Chris Masters. Uh, Chris Masters from... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm so confused today. Um, so... Take a sip of coffee. She had... Okay. Well, first of all, Aretha Franklin passed away from pancreatic cancer, right? And she was the queen of soul. I mean, Aretha Franklin had an incredible body of work. But she had three different handwritten wills. And she, so they found these wills. And they're from um, back in 2010. And then they went and they found more wills handwritten from 2014. The kids and the brothers, and it created this whole fight. And you can't remember, you know, you think about someone with the estate of Aretha Franklin. How do you not have your stuff in order? You know you're going to have a legacy going forward and all these children's children and siblings. Um, but regardless... Even if the one thing that equalizes the rich and famous with the rest of us schlubs is, first of all, we all wind up in the same place, right? Mortality is mortality, right? There's and you nobody, can't take any of this stuff with you. Yeah. You go to a graveyard and everybody's the same. But this, this, this hesitancy to plan for your estate. And I think the one way you get started, Danny, is the basics, right? You, you want to take it slow. You want to have your trust. You want to have your medical directives, right? Um, frankly, I, listen, my will is like seven years old. I need to update it. I need to update my power of attorneys, my HIPAA, uh, who's the executor. Um, I've even been thinking about, okay, what do I want? Do I want to be cremated? Do I want to be, do I want to be buried? You know, in other words, someone is going to make these decisions for you or you are going to make if, them. If you get cremated, I'm going to talk to Haley. We're going to be sprinkling your ashes next to Janet Yellen. Can you do it outside her house? Uh, I'm thinking she's going to go before you, bud. Oh, you never know. These That's people, true. You... <laughs> I'm staying quiet over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back to haunt her with my voice. Yeah. Us, her. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I've been visited by three ghosts and they all sound like me. So it's, it's really, but again, you would have to make a, you know, do you want your children, Danny? Well, or your wife, say you want Michelle, do you want her? I mean, even though she would make the best decision, do you really want her to have that responsibility if you are on life support? Don't you want to, re 
the ultimate gift I think you give to your loved ones is you've made this decision. They're yeah. carrying out this decision. Absolutely. Make it as easy and as stress-free free for those who are behind. So I, I look at creating the estate plan and trusts uh, and things that you need to do to preserve your, your family wealth going forward for your children and your grandchildren, right, um, to this immortality and actually feels good that you are doing the right things. That doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow. I had someone tell me, if I do an estate plan, I put a bad juju out there. And that means I'm going to die soon. And that is the, I mean, I've heard, a, you and I, Danny, we've heard the craziest reasons why people procrastinate from do we making financial decisions or maybe taking Social Security early or whatever it is. But this one took the cake. Like, I had to sit there for a bit. Yeah, but if you're putting out that bad juju, whatever, and you do pass you got everything the together. day after, you're done. <laughs> What do you the care? net result is good. Yeah. Yeah. What do you care? As long as you you have, you have, a wonderful wife. You have two grown children and grandchildren. Don't you want to make sure that everything is in place for them because you love them, right? I think that's the most selfish thing you can do is not have an estate plan. Well, it is selfish because you're not worried about them. You're worried about you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, th- there's no other way. And you mentioned something earlier, right? I mean, so many times, let's say you do the estate plan. You get all these things in motion. Mm -hmm. But how many times, you mentioned two things I think that are important. One, actually having a plan. Right. And and taking this off. Because you think if you pass, your loved ones, it's emotional. They don't feel great about anything. And now you want to burden them with making decisions on, are you going to be buried or cremated? Where Mm -hmm. are we going to put you? What song did did Rich love? Is it Aretha Franklin or is it Elvis Presley? Um, you know, Johnny Cash, Marion Young. I don't know. Who so you know, but but decisions that nobody really wants to make, right? Um, but not only that, what about all the online? Yeah, you know, th- that path that you have to go down. That's where a where did where did Rich keep money? Right. You know. Um, oh, oh, wait. He used multiple places. He was here, here, mm-hmm. here, and here. Oh, I can't get online. I can't. I don't even know what's there. Are the beneficiaries correct? And then you, you talk about the headache of going and tracking these places down, especially now. Now, this is where we talked about brick and mortar. At least sometimes you can walk in. I'm not sure it's much better sometimes. But, you know, some of these other places, it's a little bit harder to get in front of these people when you, it, don't have, when you can't walk, walk, into a, walk in the door. And to have your estate plan together, and not only that, but gathering the right people together to discuss it, bringing it all out in the open, or using a financial advisor or a trusted partner to facilitate the conversation. Like I was thinking yesterday, um, Chris Masters was talking about, we were talking about family limited partnerships, which are not for everybody, but it's pretty common in Texas. I have a ranch, I have, or you have a family business and you want to pass it on and you want to protect it from creditors and yet you still want control as general partners. This is a very fascinating mechanism that you um, put in place to save estate tax because it locks in values of appreciated assets and it makes, it creates this estate planning savings, but also if you owe estate taxes, uh, think about if you didn't have this in place, how would you come up with estate taxes? He had an example, Chris, of a family that had 70 
million dollars, and by doing a family limited partnership, they would they saved roughly thirty three million dollars in estate taxes. Imagine if you had to come up with that, and you had this beloved family ranch in your in your household for you know for in your family for generations. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've been having conversations about estate planning using like Yellowstone. Well, because I mean, as that it's, puts listen, it you've been watching that family lineage. You've yep. been watching like 1883 and 1923, and they need to do a 1970, like with the new with John Dutton, right? Like his his upbringing, right? Is it still there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's still there because of Yellowstone. Yeah, but, but I'm saying it's still there. But I'm yeah. saying is like what happened in between? You, know, you got to think about you passing this legacy of family and, and 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 ranches and all this. I mean, you don't have that kind of wealth, but you do have something to pass on. Um, I'm, I'm like trying to do anything to get anybody to do a darn estate plan, Danny. I mean, I'm, I'm reaching. <laughs> I'm reaching. It's just so hesitant. It's just like how people don't have life insurance. I see all the time. I'm on Facebook and I see this young family and God forbid the, the dad dies or the mom dies and they have a GoFundMe and they have young children. Now, no life insurance. I mean, these are the DNA of financial decisions, right? These are the basics. When you start having children, I have people I work with that have young children, they have yet to name guardians. Ooh. I mean, stuff like that. And I know this is a tough conversation with, with your family, right? With your husband and your wife. Like, oh, no, not your crazy sister. Mildred. Well, and with and your family, right? Because it may not be what, you know, you may argue over who it is. And yeah. it may not be family. And, and, right. And, I mean, again. A lot of decisions. Hey, we get back. We're going to talk about what are some of the regrets investors have had for 2022. And what's their 2023 goals? We return here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task our next candid coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk saturday january 28th with richard rosso and danny ratliff register now at realinvestmentadvice.com the financial housekeeping candid coffee with ratliff and rosso register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to the Real Investment Show. <laughs> I never wish bad things on anybody. Uh, but, you know, you got to wonder if Prince Harry is next because the family might just <laughs> take him out with that book and everything else. How that book is a bestseller is beyond me. I cannot believe how much we are so involved in the royal family and this train wreck. I, I, 
listen, he's capitalizing on it. I get the capitalism part of it, but who the heck wants to read that book? Are there pictures? Even if there are pictures, I I, I just you know, selling. I mean, that just shows you the smut that people are. I really well, yeah. to spend money on that book That's and to waste my book. valuable time is beyond me. But yeah, woof, my God. I he doesn't want any kind of recognition or publicity. Hello, <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> Not in it for the money either. Yeah, no, I don't need that. Hey, so good good banter back and forth on the YouTube channel. So if you yeah, have not besides having that out. a Ford Pinto and a Chevy Vega yeah, and it's yeah. like a used car. I like Al Bundy's Dodge. That was the best one because <laughs> Al so Bundy good. had a great Dodge. But <laughs> TK had a great uh, well, well, that's right. But go, yeah. go to the Real Investment Advice. Uh, check that out. Go subscribe. The uh, Real and Investment Show. The, yeah, the Real Investment Show. show. There you yeah, go. That's the channel. Get it right, Danny. Hey, too many things going on, right? But but good banter, right? And so a lot of good information. So TK asked, where do you start, right? And so for all you others out there, we are not attorneys. We do not uh, we don't give even play legal them on the advice. We're just telling you about what we see, what we encounter with clients, things that we deal with on a regular basis. So, you know, if you have a specific question, consult your attorney, your CPA, your advisor. Uh, but we can certainly help and point you in the right direction. So there's so many different avenues and so many different ways to well, go about starting that plan. Before you do that, you got to sit down. Yep. Before you even meet with an attorney, financial advisor, you got to go do some soul searching. Okay. You got to think about, okay, who would want this? Hey, I've got this... Uh, Matchbox car collection, or I've got you know, would somebody want this, or is there a check? In other words, you got to sit down, especially with your spouse, and go through the process of the names and the legacies. And hey, Billy is terrible at money, but Johnny's great, you know. And as this money goes passed on, how does that work? And does your wife or your husband want to be a trustee? You know, you got to go into the basics before you get the estate plan first, right? Even when it comes to wills or I, you know, what do you want if you are in life support? Do you even know the answer to that question? No, you, most people don't. I don't. Right. Think. I mean, I know what I would want, um, but some people may not know, and they have to just do some reflection on their own about what they would want. And then you can go ahead and start slow. It's just like with investing and we say pay yourself first. Go slow, get your basics done, get your trust done, get your power of attorneys done, right? What if you couldn't sign a check or your HIPAA release? People don't realize like if you're in the hospital and someone, at a doctor or nurse, anybody at the hospital needs to speak to somebody to get your records and you are, can't do it, because of HIPAA, someone's going to have to do that for you, right? right. Yeah, and these are things you have to think about and put in place. These documents are not that difficult. You can go to your estate planner. You can go to your trusted attorney. Heck, we have trust and will at RIA Advisors if you just want to do it yourself or at least go through that exploratory process of how that works. Because what I like about trust and will, Danny, is if you even just start the process, it starts to get you thinking about who would be this, who would do this for you. So kind of takes you down a path. It takes you down a path that gets you thinking. So I think you got to sit down, have some conversations before anything. Don't you think so, Brian? Is there a, is there a like a common checklist 
for people who are just starting out, who want to sit down at the kitchen table and go through this with your spouse, is there a checklist that kind of prompts you to come up with these yeah, answers? Yeah, there's, there's tons of checklists out there. I mean, and, and really it's the basic stuff that you just start working down. But, you know, like Rich said, you know, you need to start thinking about what are your answers prior to just jumping in? I see a lot of people go straight to the attorney and the attorney's just doing an exploratory conversation like, hey, have you thought about who's going to be the guardian of your children? Who's going to be your executor? Who's going to be your trustee? If You know, all these small things yeah, that typically right, right. people don't think about prior to going in. And so sometimes it can be a waste of all of your time. I mean, it's great to kind of get the conversation started. But if you have these ducks in a row already, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Well, and if you're paying the guy by the hour, you'll save some money having these things already Correct. discussed and decided upon. Exactly. And I have one client that started with one conversation with his wife. And he said to her, it's Monday. And he goes, I'm gone tomorrow. What do you do? And not, and she had no idea. Mm -hmm. In other words, who does she call? Who are our financial people? Who is our attorney? Deer in the headlights. Deer in the headlights. Yeah. So you've got to get that deer in the headlights thing done while you're alive. Correct. The document part, I will tell you, I think is the simple part, even though people think that's the onerous part. It's the discovery of who you want and how you want things dispersed and start getting involved in those relationships now. Well, if you have a spouse that's not talking to Danny, like one of your clients says, well, my spouse is not involved in this. I always say, well, listen, that's a poor excuse. That individual needs to know who I am and know who to call if God forbid something happened to you. That's right. So this discovery process is not easy, but it's very enlightening. So people have money dates, they go through their checking, they go through all this stuff. Well, go through some more, take it to the next step. And I think that's how you first started. Well, I think so, but you know, the other step would be is that start having conversations. So you say, okay, I want this to go to Richard, I want this to go to Brent, but what if Brent doesn't really want this? Right, you gotta have that conversation now, you right? Gotta, but that's that's probably the really difficult part. Is like, hey, I'd love for you to have this. Is this something you even want? My grandmother did something really good when I was when we were really uh -huh. little. Now most of these were just material, small items. But when we were young, I've got three cousins, and she'd say, "Okay, is there anything in here you want? If I die, what do you want?" But that's a great question. But she had these yeah. little things like you'd put on a garage sale. They're like you know, red, blue, green, yellow. Everybody mm -hmm. had a different color, and so you put it on the back of it. You have color coded garage sales. Well, they did back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad I idea. I didn't even think they had colors back in that day. I thought everything was black and white. There was a point I had to call to my mother. I'm like, I don't understand. Why is everything on the television black and white? And this is, <laughs> what's going on? It's your blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah, I was a really horrendous child to deal with. But you're um, right. You, my mom has done that. She's, there's some little tchotchkes around the house. And she's told us, I've marked your initial in chalk on the underside of this box yeah. or whatever it is. And, and that's how my parents. You know so what, what if you don't want it? I mean, that's the other yeah. kicker. I mean, then maybe somebody else does. We and sell so it to my brother. Conversations. Yeah, there you go. You know, so when you know Brent doesn't want your Danny's NASCAR collection <laughs> of collectible cars. Yes. I, I'll go to Tomball to like Cherry Hill Antiques and mm -hmm. it'll be there. There you go. Yeah. All the stuff when you go to the antique stores, I'm like, I go with Amy. I go, hmm, this is what Haley would be doing with my stuff. See all this <laughs> crap here? She'd be selling. She'll be unloading it on eBay, Etsy. Yeah. Well, it's like the home. Yeah. Everybody says, well, the best thing you can do is give your home to them because then you create these memories that they've had for their life. Uh -huh. and 
Well, let me tell you. Give your house to your kids? Yeah, listen. Isn't that not a liability? Well, it's not not necessarily a liability. What it is is that most kids don't want it. Right. They don't want it. That's the liability. Unless I tell everybody, listen, listen, it's less on a river. A lake, the ocean, <laughs> the mountains. Yeah, if it's a Your Montana, I want it, right? the house, okay? <laughs> or maybe it's, it's a family ranch, but listen, most people don't have a family yeah. ranch. Nobody wants your house in Spring, Texas. It's been generational. It's not the Yellowstone. They love stone. you, but yeah, when not. It's gone. Kids you're, don't want that. You're, they, put, they lower you down, you're, and then that house mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. got a for sale sign on yeah. it. Absolutely. What you're attached to, your children are, and I aren't. And I will tell you, you look at Gen Z. Say those born in the late 90s and so the 20 the somethings, they don't want your crap. They don't want crap in general. They don't want stuff. They're all about experiences, living smaller. Like you don't know what means to them. Each generation, there's a different meaning to things. You know, baby boomers, yeah, maybe they wanted the China. My, da- you know, my daughter may not want uh my aurora monster collect model collection or whatever i had as a kid that uh, some of the stuff i still have she just doesn't have the same connection to that it's not going to make me feel bad it's just that dad what am i going to do with this well and i think we placed uh, a lot more sentimental you know, value in those types of um material things yes. versus the our kids now because one we didn't have nearly as much stuff i agree i mean we you just probably didn't, didn't. i mean you, you, you had to play with probably. something you had to play with it, and you had to figure out how to be creative with it. That's what scares me is that there's so many – the kids can jump from one thing to the next to the next to the next that I think they lose a little bit of that ingenuity. They do. They do. The best toy I ever – problem, but – The best toy I ever had as a kid was a refrigerator box. Oh, yeah. When there was yeah. a refrigerator yeah. box out on the curb, holy moly, that was the best. My first radio station – was, was a it? washing machine box. Oh, so you were doing your I broadcast. I was the man in the box. True story. That might still work. Yeah. So we you had to use, to your point, uh, Danny, we had to use our imagination uh, many times. Even a lot of the toys that we had, whether it was G.I. Joe or there were a lot more stuff doing stuff with your hands, uh, arts and crafts and other but right you got to have again these conversations so we're going to move on from the estate planning talk but i think that's been dead and buried uh and talk about moving forward here on financial fitness friday when we return stay tuned Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Getting your financial house in order for the new year need not be a tedious task. Our next Candid Coffee will get you ready for the fiscal roller coaster 2023 promises to be with financial tips and talk. Saturday, January 28th with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The financial housekeeping Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. 
So 2020 wasn't a fun year for investing, right? Although I do think that, yeah, it was volatile, but I've seen more volatile times. But obviously rising interest rates. Uh, you had crypto collapsing. Uh, you know, a lot of interesting things. So SoFi did a little bit of a study on reflection of how people invest. Right, inflation was a big issue. But here are some of the choices that investors that were polled regretted. They regretted not buying more crypto at lower prices. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why you're regretting that. Not buying more stock when the market started to decline. Well, there is something to, hey, do I want to buy low? And this is the only game in town where people don't want to buy low. Or not selling stock before the market started to decline. So these are people that felt, you know, hey, I, I do have some financial regrets. Said 39% said despite inflation, they wanted to invest more with Generation Z investors making up the biggest group within this segment. And I sort of like hearing that because when I talk to Gen Z 20-somethings, they don't – yes, you have a group that, in, that embraces investing, but they also feel like the Fed's going to bail them out. But a lot of them are very risk-averse. They would rather have insurance or sure things versus the market. So it's nice to see that maybe the derail in markets haven't totally discouraged them uh, overall. Some of them have made impulsive uh, investment decisions because of market vi uh, volatility. 31% of Gen Z who admitted to acting rationally. Hey, pfft, welcome to the course, right? Welcome to investing where our primal brains absolutely take over. Don't you think so? Yeah, absolutely. But look, this has been a trying year. I mean, and, and so far, it's it's interesting to watch the psychology of people. Because mm -hmm. in, in a year like last year where everything went down, right? Cash was king. And, you know, historically, nobody's wanted to touch cash because it hasn't paid anything, right? And even, right. even you still hear this the story, well, I tell you what, I mean, you're, you're losing out because of inflation. Listen, cash is not a for, forever thing, but... Cash can certainly be good. I mean, we hold cash at different times and, you know, overweight it in particular periods like this sure. last year. We have treasuries. Yep. We have treasury bills. Cash alternatives. Cash I mean, alternatives. Lots of options out there. But um, it's interesting the last week what it's done to investors where beginning of the year people are like, oh, man, 2023 is going to be rough. We've had five, six days of good markets. We've had. And again, I think in January you get this fake out. Uh, we saw, remember last year, January, we we're like, why is everybody so happy giddy in the face of the Fed raising rates? And frankly, the Fed's not done yet, by the way. Inflation came in, I think, at what, 6.5%? Correct. Okay. I mean, it's headed in the right direction, but what I don't think people are anticipating, and this is no yoke, um, prices are going to be sticky higher for a while. Okay, especially in the service industry. Okay, and that has to do with labor force participation. Where the heck did everybody go that wants to work and keeping workers happy? There's going to be a stubbornness to this inflation that's going to keep rates higher for longer. So this market anticipating rates going lower seems silly to me. So, yes, I think there's a lot of denial, but here's what they said for planning for 2023 in this survey. 21% said they plan to increase investments. 90% plan to conduct more research. Well, research is always good, and that has nothing to do with Reddit boards, 
I mean, maybe you yeah, want... Research has changed. The definition of that, <laughs> what is that, Rich? I, mean, I don't know. It used to be people actually going through fundamentals and looking at, at stock prices and, and the actual viability of companies versus... Understanding. You yeah. know, maybe it should be more education versus research. Maybe that would have been a better question. Yeah. 14% want to work with a financial advisor. 10% want to buy a new type of investment. And 9% plan to change their asset allocations in their portfolios. So... You know, so that's, you know, I mean, steps in the right direction. Respondents continue to be optimistic in this study. Um, 45% of investors have cryptocurrency. 78% so they are cautiously optimistic in the crypto market will bounce back. Only 5% consider the market dead. Hmm. Um, you got to really look at your own situation and try to get your emotions out of it. Personally, my own, my own gut is telling me, and the Magic 8-Ball sort of validates more volatility this year, not less. But January, to me, yeah, to your point, Danny, the way it's starting out, yeah, like this bitter nirvana is going to last. Listen, markets just don't do that. Okay, Markets are there to confuse and fake out the most investors possible. So like for everybody who is dire on this market this year, there's one who isn't. And... You have to look at your own personal goals. What kind of returns do you need to hit your goals? Is there anything wrong, Danny, with wanting to own crypto? Because I talk to a lot of advisors and like, oh, you're an, you're an idiot. And I, 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 I approach it a little different. And no, I've I always approach it differently. Think of it like a speculative asset. What would be correct. your advice to someone that says, hey, I would like to put some money into crypto? I think the problem that most people make is that they want to put everything into crypto. <laughs> and like any speculative investment, I would always advise only invest what you're willing to lose. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's Vegas money. It's, it's, you know, you go to Las Vegas, you have to understand, you know, look around. It was not built because guys like you are walking in and out of there with tons of money. It was built because <laughs> the, the house wins. And so when we talk about going to, to invest in speculative products or investments and mm -hmm. types of different areas, we always want to be cautious, especially as, as the onset, right? And so I think where people get in trouble is the greed. You see, oh, man, this has done really well. No matter what, right? And the issue yeah. is, historically, most investors do the opposite of what we should do. Yep. Most people aren't at the, very, at, at the front end of it. We want to wait until it does really, really well. Then we're willing to go put a bunch of money into it. And the problem is, what are we doing then? We're buying high, mm -hmm. hoping it continues to go higher. And look, in many instances it has, but I would, I know that more times than not, it has not. And so, yeah. unfortunately, many people, you know, we have this strategy, buy low and sell high, but you do the complete opposite because it doesn't feel good to buy low and it doesn't feel good to sell high. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. And to your point, you have to look at anything speculative don't get seduced by all the stories out there because fear and greed span generations. That whole dude with the curly hair, what's his name? Sam, Samuel Jackson, Reed, Freed, whatever his name is. Listen, that's a greed story. That is not a crypto story. Okay, that could have been widgets or tulips or whatever the hell. It didn't matter, right? We get sucked into stories and it doesn't matter how smart we think we are because we're all primal when it comes to money. So I always tell people, listen, you want a wild horse? You can't ride this wild horse every day. 
right? It's going to be in this little corral, and you're going to work with it. But you also know that you may never tame this horse, right? I want a small amount of money in this, this particular ride I'm going to have. I don't want to risk everything. Speculation is fine to a degree if you are willing to lose everything in it. It is a lottery ticket, and that's okay. But, man, you should hear, like on Fox Business or CNBC, these crypto, these crypto pundits, they fall. Like, I feel like I got a groin pull from how far they reach into calling crypto fundamental. They look at the fundamentals of crypto. What's oh, the a intrinsic value What's behind a, it? What, is, what yeah. is that? What, is a funda- what are the fundamentals? Of crypto. Shenanigans, as Nana would say. Shenanigans. You're a shenanigan. Okay? It's it's a risk that you take compared to buying an, a, a large cap stock that pays dividends. Still risky, different type. So it's okay. I don't mind people speculating. I'm all for it if you're willing to lose. Or say it does well for me, Danny. Say I actually, this speculation goes really, really well. I've had clients that have buy, bought crypto when it first started coming out. And we talked about this crypto thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this now? What, everything always emerges that i got to go, oh, my gosh, another tulip's popping up. I mean, I don't have enough fertilizer or weed killer for this stuff, right? Um, okay, you want to do it. How much do you want to put into it? Okay, you know, they come to me for approval. Oh, I want to put a couple of thousand dollars. Okay, here's your net worth. Very small. Okay, great. Now we get to the point where this, this thing has become a tulip field. What has been great having conversations with people, Danny, about they're willing to trim them. But how many people, when crypto really wrote, say they hit it and they were lucky, they mistake luck for intelligence mm-hmm. and they keep letting it ride. Right. So what's the what's the what's the poor theory on that? Like what shouldn't you be trimming that out? Selling? That's what you want to do. Well, of course you want to do that. Now I yeah. think I think the big thing is is that you look at really successful investors. They're not putting they're not pushing all their chips to the center of the table. They're they're utilizing, they're saying, Okay, what am I willing to risk here? And you talk to many, many smart men and they'll tell you or, or women, and they'll tell you, hey, it's not always about the deals that I did. Mm-hmm. But it's also the investments I didn't make, you know, because that's what burns people, especially when they put too much in one area. So I think it's really important to understand what type of risk you're willing to take, what yes. you're willing to leave on the table, what you're willing to pull off, what you're willing to lose. I mean, at the end of the day. Absolutely. There's a point where speculation becomes very dangerous. Or if I hit it lucky, I know to take my chips off the table. That's taking your emotions out of the picture. And I think this year, you are going to have to keep your emotions in check. Yeah, January looks real smooth. It's sucking you in to the trap. Don't fall for it. And please get me out of Biden's garage this weekend. Open the door, Biden. Open the door. We'll see you next week, everybody. Lance back on Monday. We so appreciate you being here. Have a great weekend.